Thank you, Mike. Thank you, worship team. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you. Um, I hope you are all fed well this past week. Most of you look pretty, pretty fed well and happy, right? It's always good because we can waddle in with joy, right? It's good. Uh, my name is Nick. I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Solid Rock, and I'm excited. We're, we're starting our Advent series today. Uh, we had been in the book of John for the last two years, and it was good. It was rich. It was deep and fulfilling. And uh, now uh, we are going to turn our attention to the incarnate person of Christ and the story of Christmas, uh, why we celebrate it, and uh, what it really means to us. Uh, if you've been in any stores, the retail market has been celebrating Christmas for a while, right? But now that Thanksgiving is behind us, we look towards uh, the birth of Christ and the Christmas story. And I'm excited because today uh, we start our new series, The Incarnation. And what we're going to be doing for the next four weeks is looking at the story of Christmas, of how Christ um, came into this world, and the people in the story of uh, Christmas, the, the people in God's Word, um, and how God interacted with them and met them where they were at. And we see this desire to be fully known um, by God and by others, by the, the people we're going to be reading about. Today we're going to be reading about Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. And so if you want, you can go on and start getting there. And so what we're going to be looking at is how God meets them in their everyday life, in their struggles, and their hardships, the things God is calling them to. And so we're going to be looking at what it means to be fully known. And being fully known is not just you know facts about me. Being fully known means you know me intimately or deeply. And part of the way we make ourselves known, part of the way we connect, part of the way we love one another is to be known in our emotions, um, to be known when we are sad, to be known when we're hurt or glad or angry, uh, hurt or lonely. And it's not often something we talk about. It's not something that we all grew up knowing how to do, is talk about how we're feeling and our emotions. We're often told not to talk about those things. And so as we read through these scriptures, we're going to be able to see where the people that God uh, stepped into their lives, their desire to be fully known and how God met them. And one of the great things about this four-week series is that we're going to have an opportunity to look at um, different emotions. Today, we're going to be looking at sadness. And then one of the parts about the Advent series that we haven't done in a while and I'm really excited about is each week we'll have some teaching, but we're also going to have a devotion time that you can do um, as an individual, you can do with your family, or you can get a group of people together and dive in deeper to these uh, subjects each week. And so what I would love to do is turn your attention to the Church Center app. If you don't have the Church Center app, we're actually going to put up a really big QR code. So pull out your camera, scan that code, and it'll actually take you to the App Store, and you can download the Church Center app. Now, there are other churches on the Church Center app platform um, but what you want to do is after you've downloaded, select Solid Rock Church, and that's going to connect you to us, content, events, all those different things. And at the very bottom, there's a couple of buttons. There's a home button, and the next to it is a star that says Advent. And what you'll be able to do is click that Advent, and you'll have all the devotions for the next four weeks. And it's an awesome opportunity for you to dive in deeper, again, maybe by yourself, with your family, or a group of people 
um, to really take this time to focus on what's most important in this time of Christmas. And so each uh, devotional is really, we hope, is straightforward and easy for you to do for yourself. There's some commentary, there's some scriptures, both Old and New Testament, to further read and, and dive in deeper to God's Word. Um, there's also some reflection questions for you to just interact with God's Word and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what God is showing you through these devotion time. And then because the worship team can't be at everyone's house at the same time, um, part of this is that we love to do is be able to sing and worship together um, as we read God's Word. And so each devotion at the very end uh, recommends a song for you. So for this week, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is recommended for you. And so if you can play an instrument, great. If you can sing without an instrument, great. If you need help, there's YouTube. They often have the lyrics right there for you so you can have a time of worship with your family. Um, so this is one of the ways we want to help enrich your time of Christmas. Um, if you need any help with the app, um, we would love for you to stop by the Welcome Center. We would love to get you connected and make sure you have everything you need. Um, and do know that if you're having any issues or if maybe a booklet would be better suited for you, we're going to have a limited number of books printed this week. And so we'll be able to give that to you as well uh, so that you can join along with us. And so we're really excited. I'm going to take a moment just to pray real quick, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. And Father, we come before you and just ask, God, that you would meet us with your presence. God, we are made in your image. God, we are made with a purpose. And God, you, um, through your work of the Holy Spirit and your Son, Father, you are redeeming us unto yourself. And so right now, Lord, we just want to meet with you and hear from you, Father. So Lord, we love you. We pray all this in the name. Amen. So as I was telling you, this first week in the Advent series, we're going to be looking at the emotion of sadness. And uh, when you think about Christmas, sadness is not one you normally associate, or at least not one you want to associate with. To be honest, most of us, when we think about sadness, is we don't actually want to feel that ever. Uh, we avoid it almost at all costs. We don't actually want to talk about it. We don't actually want to acknowledge it often. And so most of us, when we think about sadness, um, it's something we avoid. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. And, uh, but the thing is, is God has designed us to have a heart, to have emotions, because that is the way he allows us to be fully known, to be fully connected with one another, to love and be um, important or valued, not only with each other, but with him. And so when we think about sadness, it's hard sometimes for us to put ourselves back into that position because we don't like it. Um, matter of fact, if there's any form of sadness we're okay with is when we think about like sports, like when our team loses, like we have sadness, right? But it's like an understood sadness. You're like, it's okay. Like we all know what you're sad about. We all can empathize with one another or sadness when like somebody we all know, like a celebrity passes away and you're like, oh yeah, that was sad, you know? But what we're talking about is this ability to have deep sadness because we are grieving something that we loved or valued or felt connected to, and we no longer have that. This could be a person. You know, when we think about the holiday season, there's a lot of emotions that come with it, and sadness is one of those. For some of us, sadness may be happening for you because Christmas is going to look different this year. Maybe it's because you can't travel and go see the family like you normally get to go see them. Maybe it's because a loved one that has been a part of it is no longer with you. And the thing about emotions is, is 
Time doesn't just heal them because just because someone may have recently passed away or maybe they passed away a few years ago, the sadness can still be there, right? Like the desire, the longing to feel connected or to feel loved with that person can still exist, can still be there. And so for us, we, we, we avoid it so often that when we talk about it in this context, you may be asking yourself, like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not exactly sure if I feel sad. And you may even be saying, I don't even know if I want to open that door up to admit there may be something I feel deeply sad about. And so the beauty of God's word is God allows us to see him and God allows us to see people in scripture, not to just be a spiritual math that if we do what they do, then that outcome that they receive will be the same outcome for us. But we're going to see God's faithfulness as Lord and Savior. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter one, starting in verse five. And again, we're going to enter in to the personal life and story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And verse five says, in the day of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So we're going to pause for a second. This is Elizabeth and Zechariah, and we see right away they're faithful. They're serving the Lord. Zechariah is a priest. Elizabeth, the wife, loves the Lord herself, and they've had no children. She has been barren from the very beginning. And not only is she barren, but it seems like with the more age that they occur, the realization that this may never happen seems to get more real, more deep, more, more concrete, right? And I don't know that we actually need historical context to make us empathize and understand what that could look like. I think a lot of us, maybe for even for you personally, you've experienced what it looks like to want to have a child and not being able to, or wanting to have a child and then losing that child. But even in that context, you realize like that is a deep desire to be able to have a child to carry on the family name or carry on the family business or tradition, to carry on your lineage. Like it was an important thing. And so even with that context, like you and I, we know someone personally in our life. And like I said, it may even be you where you can go, no, I know what that sadness looks like. I know what that deep longing to have the family or to have this individual in my life not being there, like and how that impacts me. And so for Zachariah and Elizabeth, this is something they've lived with their whole entire lives. You have to put yourself in their shoes thinking they didn't probably get married thinking they were going to be barren and not have any children. Most of us, when we get married, that's maybe a concern or maybe a thought in the back of our mind, but it's not necessarily a reality that we think is going to happen or at least a reality we're not willing to deal with until we actually have to. And so for them, there's a deep sadness. And we'll actually see later in verse 25 that Elizabeth describes it as a reproach. Like she almost feels like a disappointment or a disgrace. And so not only is there sadness, but you almost have this sense of shame that because she's not able to bear a child, that she somehow failed as a wife and as a mother. So you see the sadness being in a lot of different ways. Elizabeth's probably having her own sadness for her own desires not being met. 
Zachariah for himself, but then you put a relationship involved, there may be sadness for each one, sadness that I'm not able to do this for you, sadness I'm not able to do that for you. And then you see this cultural sadness of not being able to do like everyone else. If you've got the friends that are having their family and their, their family's growing. And so we all, maybe not in that same context of a child, we all know what sadness looks like. We've all probably experienced deep sadness in our life. And the reason that it's there, again, is because the sadness is telling us that we cared about something deeply. We loved it. We valued it. We felt connected to it or them. And so sadness is a real part of this story. And so we see that God is going to work in their life. And so what we'll do is pick up in verse um, 8. And we're thinking about the fact that Zechariah is serving as a priest. And earlier we read that they were righteous and blameless in their walk. And so one of the things I want to point out before we push forward is that even believers, even those who are faithful in Christ, still experience the brokenness of this world. Even if you are serving the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and strength, you can still feel sadness. You can still feel hurt. You can still feel all these emotions that God designed and created us to have. Because we live in this broken and fallen world, it's going to happen. It's going to exist. I don't think that we're looking at the fact that Luke describes them as blameless and righteous as somebody for us to mimic and say, hey, let's be like them and let's be holy and blameless and hold all the statues. I think what he's doing is allowing us to go, it's not just because of their personal sin that they're experiencing this. They're experiencing this because there's a broken and fallen world and a real reality that we all experience it and know it often all too well. But we don't share about it. We don't let each other in on that. We do the whole, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm okay. When really deep down we're thinking, man, I'm, I'm sad. I'm hurting. Like I'm feeling something deeply. And so because of that, we don't end up being fully known and fully connected with God and with others. And so in verse 9, while uh, Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And so what we see happening right now is that Zechariah is serving, and the Lord's going to speak to him. The Lord's going to do something really drastic, and he's going to send an angel. He sends Gabriel. And so what we end up seeing in verse 11, let's skip on down to verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. There's another emotion. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his words, for he will be great before the Lord. It's exciting, right? Like the messenger of God comes before you and almost any time an angel is involved in any type of delivery of the message, they're always having to say, do not be afraid because it's like a very overwhelming situation. And he's laying out the fact that I've heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers 
and he's going to answer them. This is important because it's not just that God is meeting Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer, but God is about to do something much, much bigger that's going to impact more than just Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's going to impact those that are around them as he prepares the way for the Lord because this John is John the Baptist, the prophet, the one who is sent to declare and make way for Jesus Christ to come. And so we see something bigger happening as we see God meeting them in their, in their prayer, in their desire, and in their sadness. You see, sadness allows the intimacy and impact of love to be much richer because it exposes our heart to its true ability. And so when we experience our sadness deeply, then we're able to experience joy and gladness deeply. Okay? Hear me on that. When we experience our sadness, when we don't just skip over it, when we experience it deeply, we're able to experience the joy and gladness that God gives us deeply as well. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes is all about just trying to find this great life, um, one that's just the best that you can have. In Ecclesiastes 7, it's talking about sadness. It's talking about life and death. And then in verse 2, it's talking about this house of mourning. And it says, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it, lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. And so what Ecclesiastes is telling us is, don't just run past your sadness. Go to the house of mourning, not the house of feasting. The house of feasting is not built in reality. The house of feasting is, I'm going to pretend like all this is not happening. I'm going to go on and eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to sing. I'm going to laugh. And I'm going to ignore any sadness or any feelings that I'm having right now. And it's a false reality. It's a lonely reality. And you actually limit yourself or almost hinder yourself from being able to feel and own joy and gladness that the Lord can do in your life. And so Ecclesiastes is this warning. It says, don't go to the house of feasting. Go to the house of mourning. Set in it. Be in it. Understand it. Process it. Verse 3 says, sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. And so what we're able to do when we set in it, when we admit and own it, when we're made known in it, then we're able to be able to accept or process it to understand what it is that we lost, to weigh the cost that comes with whatever it is we feel like we've lost or won't have again, or maybe won't be realized in our life. And the scripture tells us by setting in it, the, the face of the heart is made glad. That doesn't necessarily work in our wisdom, does it? to put it aside, to pretend it wasn't a big deal, to ignore it, to minimize it. That's, that's how we have learned to move past sadness. Or we come up with phrases like, time will heal all wounds. Or it wasn't that big of a deal. Or it's water under the bridge. It's not that important now, right? But for us, sadness doesn't just go away like that. Sadness is when we are met by God's presence and that's when we're moved from sadness to gladness. So again, ways we deal with it is we can just try to tough it out, pull ourselves up by the bootstrap and just press forward with everyday life. We can use these phrases and idioms to just kind of 
ignore it or minimize it, to just press forward and just hope that the sadness will eventually not be felt anymore. But again, as we no longer deeply feel in those areas, we no longer feel deeply in joy and gladness either. Or one way, we see this a lot with kids, but there's adults who do it too, is we seek to move past our sadness by seeking pity. So we tell these stories or we tell the accounts and we want other people to feel sorry for us because we want them to make us feel valuable and we want them to make us feel like our pain was real and, and, and good and, and we ask them to do all the feeling for us. We ask them to carry that burden for us because we don't ourselves want to be honest the fact that we're the ones feeling it. And so we see Zechariah and we see Elizabeth, and again, not as a spiritual math problem to say if I'm just faithful that one day God will give me what I want, but we see them being honest and, and faithful even in the midst of something that's not happening the way they want it to and being faithful to the Lord, and the Lord is faithful to hear and meet them in their needs. The phrase, your prayer has been heard, is just a beautiful picture that God is not far off, that God is near. That God is desiring to be in your life personally on a regular basis. That God is intimately caring about you and for me. And so when he says your prayer has been heard, church, we need to be excited about that. That is a big deal. But again, like I was saying, it's more than just meeting Zachariah and Elizabeth in their sadness. God is doing something greater. God is preparing a way for us to know the Lord that is coming, the incarnate Christ that has been prophesied, and the one that we are getting ready to read more about and sing and worship during this Advent season. Let's skip down to Luke chapter 1, verse 24. So Zachariah's been given this message from the angel. He actually doesn't believe it. He's like, how can this happen? We're old. And so because of his disbelief, he can't speak. He's mute. But when he's done with his duties, he goes home. And that's where we are in verse 24. And it says, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people to take away my sadness, my disgrace, my disapproval. Church, one of the things we have to understand with this, this passage, God doesn't owe Zachariah or Elizabeth <clears throat> this response. God does not owe them this child. Like That's a hard thing to wrap our mind around. God chose to answer their prayer out of his own goodness and out of his own will and his purpose and for his glory. And so what we see happening is not just God meeting them in their individual need, but he's meeting a much greater need in the fact that he's providing a prophet, a witness to Jesus Christ. Think about even if he had given them their son John earlier in their life, the timing of John's birth and Jesus' birth would have been off. It would have been different. Could it have been effective? Sure, God is God. But we see that God didn't meet that need until later in their life when they had become advanced in their years 
And so we see Jesus and John the Baptist being born very closely related to each other in time so that one can make way, one could declare the way of the Lord, one could let the people know that there was a Savior coming. <coughs> Excuse me. And the importance of this is that when God is working in our lives, it's not that God is just working in our own small individual stories, but it's that God is working this much bigger story of redemption. And it's this beautiful picture that he uses us to further that redemption story. If you're asking yourself, like, what does it look like to be honest? I love the book of Psalms because the Psalm authors are all very transparent. They're all very um, real about their situations. Like if you take David, there's times where David's like, God is good. Life is great. It can't get any better than this. His love endures forever. And David's like, that's a song. Write it down. Put it in. Let's do this. But there's also times when David's like, life is terrible. I'm supposed to be king. I'm hiding in a cave. God, it feels like you're just far off from me. Where are you? But your love endures forever. And so we see like even in Psalms 31, 22, where the psalmist writes, I had said in my alarm, so he's alarmed, I am cut off from your sight. But then he goes on and says, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried for you, cried to you for help. So the first initial reaction is to think, God, I am cut off from you. I am far from you. We are not connected. That would bring great sadness, wouldn't it? To feel like you and God are not connected. Maybe even a little bit scary. But then the psalmist remembers, he says, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. See, God is faithful to hear our prayers. God is not far from us. God is very much near. And so we actually see what God has told Zechariah and Elizabeth through the messenger Gabriel that it's actually going to happen. So let's skip on down to verse 39 in Luke chapter 1. And so this is an account where Mary carrying Jesus is meeting Elizabeth carrying John. Verse 39 says, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she screamed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed, are you, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, it's a big statement, should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of that, of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Church, this is an example of a quick example in Scripture where, I say quick, but it's quick to us in what we're reading, where God was faithful to fulfill everything that he told Zachariah and Elizabeth. That he was faithful to fulfill all of Old Testament Scriptures leading up to this moment to give us Christ, and not only to give us Christ, but to give us John to lead the way of making the way known. This is so important because it allows us to see that when we are crying out to the Lord, when we are bringing out our pleas for mercy, when we are crying out for help, that we can be known by God and that God is not far and God hears us. Does that mean he's just going to give us every answer that we ever pray for? No. 
But when our prayers and our heart line up with what Christ's will is for our life, we are made known. We are made known and we are met with this. So you may be asking, like, I don't know if God cares about my sadness. You may even be asking, like, I don't even know if God can understand my sadness. But we have to remember that Jesus was incarnate for a reason. He stepped into our broken world and he knows exactly what it's like. We even see that's prophesied for um, in Isaiah 53, verse 3. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and, he was esteem- and we esteemed him not. Church, the incarnate Christ, the baby Jesus, the story of Christmas, he knew what he was stepping into. He knew what was waiting for him. He knew exactly what it was that we were living in, and he came anyways. In the story or the book of John, we were just going through that series. We saw where Jesus experienced real emotions as as a human here on earth, as 100% man and 100% God. And the most famous one is John 11, verse 35, when it's talking about Lazarus dying um, which was somebody he cared deeply about. And so by the time he got there, he had already been dead. And Scripture says, in John eleven thirty five 35, it says Jesus wept. And it wasn't just like he shed a tear. It said he wept deeply, sorrow, sadness for his friend. This is Jesus. We know he could raise him from the dead. Jesus knows that. Jesus isn't surprised by it, but it says that he wept, that he was sad for his friend. He felt sorrow. Matthew 26, verse 36, when we see towards the end of Christ's ministry as he's about to lay down his life, he experiences another time of deep sorrow and sadness, and he brings in some of his disciples to experience that with him, but he also makes himself known to the Lord in that. And so we see in verse 36 of Matthew 26, it says, Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit here a while while I go over there and pray, and take with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to him, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Church, this is an example of being known, declaring like, hey, I feel this immense sadness, this immense deep hurt. He knew the will of the Father. He knew what he was called to. But even though he knew all those things, he still made himself known. He made himself known to the Father. He made himself known to his disciples. He's making himself known to us through his word. Feeling sad or any emotion is not lost on Christ. One, he created us, and he created us with a very uh, specific purpose and design. He created us and it was good. And he's redeeming what's been broken in us. And part of that has been our hearts. I say part, that's a big part of it. Right? Tim Keller, and I can't remember where I read this, but it's something that he wrote, was talking about when we're saved, 
We are not saved just so we can start to feel joy and happiness all the time. He says we were saved and our hearts were made from stone to flesh, dead to alive, and we are now able to feel deeply. So that means deeply in our hurts. That means deeply in our sadness. That means deeply in our loneliness. But it also means deeply in our joy. Church, we were designed to feel and express and emote deeply. It's how God calls us to be known and to be connected with him and with one another. And so if we look, we know that we can trust him. We know he understands. We know that he meets us in our emotions. And most importantly, it allows us to know our deepest and greatest need, which is Christ, because we are dead, separated. We are unable to emote. We are unable to feel connected. We are unable to feel valued or loved or matter apart from Christ. And so I don't know where you are right now as we go into this Christmas season. For you, you may go, I can name my sadness right now. I know what it is. I knew what it was before we even came in. For some of you, you may be hesitant. You're like, I locked that door and I don't want to open it. It hurts too much. Wherever you are in that, you are not designed to be alone. You were meant to be known. You were meant to be known by the church and other believers. You most importantly are meant to be known by the Heavenly Father, the one who sent his son to be incarnate, the one he sent to know what it's like to be you and to be me. And not only does he know what it's like to be you and me, he's conquered this life. He's conquered the brokenness that you and I still experience. And so wherever you are at in that, we want to make an opportunity or a way for you to be connected. So we're going to have prayer partners up front. Our elders are going to be in the commons area. We're going to have lanyards on. We'd love to pray with you and connect with you. If you don't know what it means to have your faith in Christ Jesus this morning and you want to know more about this, this Savior who's come to set us free, to save us, and to also transform our hearts from just being dead in our trespasses to be able to experience the joy and gladness of this life, then we want to talk with you. It's not a guarantee and it's not a promise that you'll never experience a hard emotion ever again in your life. But it is a promise that God will be with you and meet you. And you don't have to be alone. We actually have this beautiful ability to experience a lot of different emotions and experience gladness at the same time. I actually just, uh, Thanksgiving Day, got a new niece. It was really exciting. It was very glad and joyous, you know, like a Thanksgiving bundle. But it was also sad at the same time because they live really far away right now. And so I don't know when I'll actually get to see this baby face to face and convince her I'm the best person she'll ever know. <laughs> Uncle Nick. So like there's this sadness, but there's also this joy and this gladness, Right? And the joy and the gladness is best felt and experienced when I admit the sadness as well. To say, yeah, there's a love and a connection that I miss. FaceTime and Zoom can only do so much, right? We've talked about this, being face-to-face, being fully known, being connected. Like, that's the way we were designed and created. And that's best and only known through Christ. 
So what I want to do is ask you a couple of questions, and then the worship team is going to come out and uh, lead us in a time of worship. But the first question is, is where are you currently feeling sadness? This may be a question you need to write down because maybe right now you don't know what that is. So you're going to need to take some time to think and process on that. Or maybe you know what it is, you just need some time to list it because there's, some, there's, there's a lot. The second part of this is who can you invite into your sadness for encouragement? Don't be alone. Who can you invite into this? Who can you be known with? And again, if you don't know who that is, if you're new or visiting and you're like, I want that, I just don't know where to go, then come talk to us. We want to connect with you. We don't want you to be alone. And the last one is just knowing how God has used this as part of Zachariah and Elizabeth's redemption, but also for our redemption. Like, what does that do for you to know that God is concerned and desires to meet you in your sadness? I hope it changes everything for you. I truly do. And so as you respond right now and as you're contemplating those things, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I pray as God has led you today, you just be faithful and bold to meet and respond. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. I'm just grateful to be in your presence right now. Lord, it is because of your presence that we are transformed. Lord, I'm grateful for the fact that you don't withhold your presence. That, God, you are not far away. That, God, even in this wonderful season of joy and gladness, that, God, you still meet us in some of the hard things that we're experiencing. Lord, some of us may be experiencing some hard things because we live in a broken and fallen world. And it's not because of personal choice or sin, but just for the fact that there's some suffering going on. And it saddens our heart. I pray, Father, that we would reach out and we'd be known in that, that we wouldn't walk in those things by ourselves. Lord, for some of us, we, we may be experiencing sadness because of choices we've made. Some of us may feel distant and far from you because of those things. And God, I just pray that they would be known in that, that they'd be able to lay them down at your feet and know that, God, that you are faithful and just. And that, God, you forgive. And that, God, you are constantly working toward our good and reconciliation. And so, Lord, as we pray these things, and, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and embolden us to be proactive and to step out in faith, Father to be known and be loved by you. So Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ.